Hi, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast to help you plug in at Quest both in person and online. Now, let's dive into this week's teaching. Spiritual gifts are a major way God tangibly wants to reveal himself to us today. Today we're going to look at two gifts that Paul lists in 1 Corinthians 12. And they're free, the, the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 are frequently called power gifts. And they're different from the gifts listed in Romans 12. Romans 12 are often referred to as motivational gifts. And Romans 12 gifts, they're a lot like, uh, you know, we went and saw the Superman. We saw the Superman movie this last week. So they're a lot like Superman's x-ray vision. He can use it whenever he wants. He has control over it, right? But 1 Corinthians 12, those gifts actually reside with God. They're given as he desires. They're sometimes referred to as situational gifts. We can't just turn them on whenever we want to. Yet God does say he wants us to eagerly desire them. And he wants us to live with expectancy that he's going to regularly give them to us. But the reality is we can't control them. We can't control when and how or even if they will come to us in a given moment. Today... We're going to talk about two gifts listed as word of wisdom and word of knowledge. And it's actually kind of challenging in some ways to deal with this topic today because they're, they're, they're not listed anywhere else in the Bible other than 1 Corinthians 12 in a way that we could say, hey, the Bible's saying this is that gift, right? And now, that doesn't need to discourage us, though, from talking about it. Uh, we can gain confidence by remembering a verse we talked about a couple weeks ago. Jesus says, again, remember in John 16, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So we can expect the Holy Spirit to have defined these gifts for us, as observed through Christian experience all throughout the ages. And we should also be able to, and I think we can, see these gifts being observed elsewhere in operation in the Bible, even though the Bible doesn't say in those moments, hey, look, this is a gift of, a gift of knowledge or this is a gift of wisdom. We can still see it at work in the Bible. So with Scripture and Christian experience in mind, I'm going to do my best today to give a reasonable definition to talk about these gifts. But in the end, it's really less about nailing down the definitions today. It's really more about examining and illustrating ways in which God wants to show up in our midst and speak to us. In fact, I would suggest today that as we go through this, many of you are going to realize that you have received words of wisdom and words of knowledge in the past, and maybe you just haven't realized it. Uh, Most people across the ages have begun defining these two things by defining the words from a biblical perspective how these words are used in the Bible. Within that light, the word of knowledge is the gift God gives of knowing or understanding something that you previously didn't know or maybe even couldn't have known without God's help. The word of wisdom, in accordance with the way it's used in Proverbs and the rest of the Bible, is a gift of the Holy Spirit to understand and apply knowledge or solve a problem or proceed to action within a particular situation. So knowledge is knowing something 
Wisdom is knowing how to use that knowledge in a given situation to solve a problem you're facing. Yet even once we get past these basic definitions, they're pretty well accepted. There's still disagreement about what these gifts look like. Evangelicals and fundamentalists look at the gift of knowledge and they define it strictly within the boundaries of God showing up and helping you understand the gift of salvation, the gospel of Jesus, and understand the Bible in a way that helps you to believe. So that looks like this. It looks like maybe you have read this parable of Jesus dozens and dozens of times throughout your, throughout your life. But one day, as you're sitting there reading it, something new, something so clear, so powerful, so obvious, so life-changing, jumps off the page at you and grabs your heart, something you had never noticed before or never understood before, even though you'd read it dozens of times. And in that moment, you encounter God. And it brings change to your life. Or many of you may have experienced it this way. Uh, Those of you who are committed followers of Jesus can maybe relate to this. Uh, You heard the gospel of Jesus presented to you many, many times probably in your life. How you find forgiveness and salvation and how you live a good, abundant, peaceful, joyful life in Jesus. And you grew up hearing that many, many times. But then there was one day when it all made sense. When the Holy Spirit grabbed your heart and it beautifully, radically changed your life. That is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's the way evangelicals and fundamentalists look at this gift. Charismatic and Pentecostal theologians don't deny that aspect of it that the evangelicals think of. But they would emphasize that the gift of knowing, of, uh, the word of knowledge is a gift of knowing something about someone or a situation that you had no way of knowing outside of divine revelation. So that would look like maybe Jesus in John 4, where he encounters the Samaritan woman who he's never met before, has never heard anything about before, doesn't know anything about her. But she comes to him and Jesus says to her, you've been married five times, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. He knows something that he could not have known except by the Spirit of God revealing it. Something unknown, secret, or hidden that God's Spirit reveals to him. So evangelicals and fundamentals almost exclusively focus this gift on the Bible and understanding the gospel. Charismatics and Pentecostals would emphasize knowing something specific about someone or a situation that could not be known outside of revelation from God. And these similar distinctions between those two also apply to the way they interpret this gift of the word of wisdom. And still others look at this John 4 passage that we just talked about with Jesus, and they say, well, that's not either one of these. It's just simply a gift of prophecy. So these, again, these definitions in in theological worlds become very confusing very quickly. But here again, here's where the pragmatic side of me comes out again. Whether I'm right or wrong today in the specifics of defining these terms, this is more of a discussion not about definitions, but about understanding different ways God communicates to us. And I actually find it more reasonable and understandable to view these three gifts in this kind of a diagram look that you see on the screens, where the word of knowledge and word of wisdom are actually more specific gifts that operate oftentimes within this bigger idea of prophecy. I mean, many words of prophecy integrate 
word of knowledge and word of wisdom. If God wants to speak encouragement to you or somebody, if you've ever heard that, about their uh, maybe their direction in life or their calling in life, which is one aspect of prophecy. Oftentimes within those words, what you'll hear is you'll hear this sense of encouragement of God showing the person, prophesying over that person, something about them that, or a phrase that they use that only is, is so much in line with the way that person has been thinking and talking recently that they walk away knowing only God could have showed them that. And that had to be God speaking in that moment. Additionally, instead of of the evangelical and charismatic definitions being in conflict with each other, the pragmatic side of me looking at life and looking how it operates is I think these, these gifts encompass both definitions. I think knowing something specific like Jesus knew of the woman is the gift, a word of knowledge, and I think those moments when Scripture pops off the page at you and you understand something is that gift also in operation. I mean, we see both in Scripture, right? We see it happening often and we know it in our own experience a lot of times. Word of knowledge as knowing something about someone or a situation is also seen in the story of Paul or Saul's conversion in Acts 9. We see God speaking to Ananias. And Saul, uh, this up to that point, this dreaded persecutor of Christians, has been on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians again, and yet he encounters God and is dramatically converted. He still goes to Damascus, but the Christians in Damascus don't know that he's been converted yet, right? And God shows up to Ananias in a vision and gives Ananias a word of knowledge. I'm not going to read the text, but it's going to be on the screen. In Acts 9, God tells Ananias where Saul is staying. He tells him that he's currently praying. And he tells Ananias that Saul has already seen a dream of a man named Ananias coming to pray for him, to bring healing to him, and lead him in the direction of God. And then we see later on in the verse this pure sense of prophecy where he also is to tell Saul that he is called by God to reach the Gentiles, to go before kings, and even to reach many Jews for Jesus. We also see the evangelical thing going on in Ephesians 1, where we understand how we, where we know and understand the gospel of Jesus or scripture. It says in verse 18, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Less than 10 days after moving to Quest, a little over seven years ago, I attended a vineyard conference up at Sunbury, and there was a pastor named Rob Morgan, who I know now, but back then had no clue who he was. I didn't know at that time at all. He was helping lead a ministry time after that service was over, and I was just sitting in the audience with several hundred people, and I remember, for some reason, my eye caught Rob walking back and forth among some of the leaders leading this ministry time after the service was over and, and talking with people. One of them was the executive pastor at Vineyard Columbus, Craig Heselton. After several minutes, Rob came to the mic and he said, I'm going to risk something because everyone tells me it's too specific and too crazy and it can't be true. But I really feel like God is telling me that there's a new vineyard pastor in the audience tonight and God wants to pray for you. That was pretty encouraging to me in that moment. It was pretty amazing, wasn't it? I mean, none of the people Rob had talked to who were leading that service knew that I was even in town. In fact, they didn't even know that Quest had made a final decision to hire somebody yet. They still thought we were in a transition. There was only one person in the room that night who knew I was there, and they weren't even any part of what went on in this, part, in this thing that went on. Over a month ago, Jody Maxton 
um, came to me and handed me a piece of paper after the end, uh, towards the end of a service. And she felt in prayer that God had told her that there was someone, maybe more than one person present, who had been suffering with depression and anxiety, who God wanted to touch. Now, clearly, there are probably a number of us in this room who struggle with depression and anxiety. But for whatever reason, God wanted at least one and maybe more person to respond in particular and receive prayer. And about three weeks after uh, that time happened, uh, I received a note that I'm going to read to you in just a second. See, in charismatic circles, what Jody gave me that day would be referred to as a word of knowledge, knowing something you don't know. Others would actually look at that and define it as a word of wisdom because it was an invitation for direction and how we were to proceed in ministry. Let me just say I'm pretty sure it was one of them, and probably both of them. So let's just move on from the definitions and trying to figure that one out. At the close of the service, I invited people, and, and, and then, like I said, three weeks later, I got this uh, email, and uh, I was given permission to share it anonymously. And the person says, I just wanted to share with you how God has recently healed me. A few weeks ago, Jody shared her testimony of healing and said she felt God speaking to her about someone with depression and anxiety needing healing. Over the past few months... I had been feeling severe depression and anxiety that was affecting every aspect of my life. I think due to some, and then then they go on and list some personal family issues and something difficult that had happened, uh, disappointing that had happened in their career. Uh, And they say, I was feeling worthless as a person and to society and couldn't seem to pull myself out of this dark hole. Although I know these were lies that go on, my, sh- my joy was gone and I was disengaging from family and friends. I was volunteering for ministry that Sunday at Quest, so I had a couple of friends pray for me between services. That night I went home and I meditated on some scripture and prayed for healing once again, submitting to God's plan for my life, whatever that may be. And I literally felt God remove the veil of depression and anxiety away from me. Praise God. That was about three weeks ago as of the time of this writing, about five weeks ago now. And I have not felt the weight of depression and anxiety since. I just wanted to share with you this with you because God is so faithful. Sometimes God gives a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom to nudge us out of our hiddenness and our aloneness to receive prayer and know that God is with us. Another way this gift often operates is a way that actually Sharon, our children's pastor, shared with me this last week in a text. And She said uh, years ago when Chandler, who was playing violin this morning, was a preteen, he was taking sailing lessons while Sharon and Cameron, his brother, were together elsewhere. She said all of a sudden Cameron was gripped by fear for Chandler and told Sharon they needed to pray for Chandler. They later found out that at that same moment, uh, Chandler's boat had capsized, and, at the, and, uh, and the, the teens who were leading the program were not helping him uh, in his plight wrestling with that sailing boat capsized in the middle of the lake. He ended up being okay. But isn't it true that many of us have had those experiences or heard of those where maybe we wake up at night and we just have this urgency or maybe we're going throughout the day and something touches us and jolts us and says, you need to pray right now for somebody. And later on, we find out something was indeed going on. That is a gift of the Holy Spirit given to us. So let's talk about the word of wisdom. Word of wisdom is knowing how to solve a problem or take action in a situation where you do not know what to do. Or in the case of Jesus in Matthew 22, in a situation where there's no way to win, 
So in Matthew 22, we see the religious and political leaders coming to Jesus, trying to trap him with a question. And they say this, they say, tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? And I don't have time to explain all the background to this, but if Jesus says yes, he's going to be mobbed and stoned and lose credibility by the, by the crowd. If Jesus says no, he's going to be arrested and imprisoned and most likely executed for promoting anti-Roman sentiment. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, which is actually a gift of discerning of spirits, we're going to talk about that in two weeks as well as some other tips on how to make sure we do this stuff and stay healthy with it. He said, Jesus said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin uh, used for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And what you see is Jesus coming out of this impossible situation, having received a word of wisdom, a gift of a word of wisdom, with the crowd in awe of him and the leaders who tried to trap him, fearing to even ask him another question. Also, we see the word of wisdom in Acts 15, where Paul comes before the apostles and the council to check, to double check whether what he's preaching is correct. And in the narrative, if you read it, you can read it this afternoon if you want. You can see this reference to the work of the Holy Spirit going on, the presence of the Holy Spirit in that moment. And James, the brother, half-brother of Jesus, now the leader of the Jerusalem church and the council of the apostles, is given a word of wisdom to discern the right response, and the text says, so that they don't make things too difficult for the Gentiles to follow Jesus as they try to preach the gospel across different cultures. Now, you can read it later, but the word of wisdom gives a solution or direction to take in a particular situation. I remember a circumstance where this happened uh, through somebody else, and I was involved with it. I was in Tacoma, Washington, working with a church that at one point had been the church in town to go to, seven to 800 people. And by the time we got there, it was 35 people who were heartbroken and confused as to why their church was dying and on the verge of closing. I and a friend of mine, George uh, Mitchell, who was a businessman who did some of this work with me, were leading a, a day-long assessment process with them. And the partial goal of that assessment was to help them understand what they were doing, what was going on, what needed to change, and, and, and for them to give permission for positive change to happen. But part of that process involved what we described as the Aiken question. You you may remember the story of Achan from our last series, where Achan in the Israelite camp sinned by taking some of the booty that God said, don't touch, and the whole congregation of Israel paid a price for Achan's sin. That principle applies to churches in this way, that, that often, not always, but often churches that are healthy and go into decline and can't turn it around It may happen oftentimes because of unrepented of, often hidden sin, especially among the leadership. I've seen that happen over and over again in life and be true. So we were asking them the Aiken series of questions just in case there was sin that was a part of the decline of that church that needed to be dealt with. And we spent over an hour doing various exercises with them and nothing was, nothing was coming up. So we took a break and George and I looked at each other and said, we need to move on. This is not an issue. Let's just go to the next section. And Jean, George's wife, who had been along with us, and she was just spending the whole time praying in the background for the whole thing. She came to us during the break and she said, no, there's something there yet. You need to press further. Now, my rational thought was, 
No way. We've already beat that dead horse too many times. And you know me, if you've been around long enough, I avoid pressure. I mean, if I ever do an invitation in a service that comes across with a lot of pressure, you can be assured of two things. I'm really uncomfortable at the moment when I'm doing that. I may be right or wrong in that moment. That's not the second thing, but I may be right or wrong. But the only reason I'm doing and putting some pressure on is because for whatever reason, I feel like God's saying, you have to do it this way today. So we came out of the break, George and I, and uh, after we had prayed for a minute, we felt like Gene's word to us was actually a gift of the word of wisdom to us. So we did the Aiken thing again. And lo and behold, the oldest, sweetest woman in the crowd, well into her 80s, piped up with her soft voice and says, Gentlemen, something that no one else in this room knows went on many years ago. She said, at the peak of this church's growth, when we were the strongest, there was an affair between a married staff member and a woman in the church. And the way they chose to deal with it was to cover it up. They quietly sent the staff member off to work in another church, and they quietly paid the woman to go away. And the woman was so devastated, she's never returned to church. She's bitter against God and church to this very day. And you could look at the trend line on that church, and the moment that that happened, it was dealt with that way, the church started to decline and never came back. Now, there's a beautiful ending to this story. Those few people left repented of that sin on behalf of previous leadership. They actually looked up the woman who was hurt and went and repented to her and asked forgiveness from her. And they gave permission for positive change. And that church is now a growing, thriving church in downtown Tacoma. And it's because God interrupted our normal, wise plan, because we've done this many times before, with a word of knowledge to say, no, you need to do more here. We have a couple more personal examples of the word of wisdom and word of knowledge in action. Would you welcome uh, Jeremy and Tim and Jared as they come to the stage? Uh, they're going to tell you the stories. Come on, guys. I love, uh, we're getting a lot of stories from the youth. I love how God is moving among our youth and teaching them not just to have fun and have great relationships together, but he's teaching them to hear God and minister to one another. And you're going to get to hear a couple of those stories. So we're going to let Jared go first. And uh, so, Jared, tell us what God was speaking to you last summer and how uh, a word of knowledge or word of wisdom from Tim, come on, guys, stand up here, uh, helped you navigate that, that decision. Okay, so I've played soccer since I was really little, like year-round. And um, I really liked it, and my soccer team was, my club soccer team was actually sixth in the state last year, um, and I was hoping to pursue it uh, in college, but uh, last summer, um, God was leading me towards giving it up, um, and as I was wrestling with that decision, I made um, a very stupid commitment to God. Uh, I said, the next time I get a serious injury, I'll stop. Um, <laughs> definitely not my brightest moment. Uh, <laughs> he gets that from me, not Wendy, by the way. He's my son. <laughs> um, but on the next Sunday, we were um, at the youth group, and we were practicing the five-step prayer model. And uh, so I was receiving prayer, and I asked for guidance just in general. Didn't mention anything about soccer. And Tim got a vision. Uh, he said he saw three lights, and one of them went out. And he didn't know anything about what it meant, but um, I did. So when I had, like, prior to this night, when I had prayed to God for guidance, he would often highlight three aspects of my life, music, academics, and um, 
soccer. And so when he said that the one light was going out of the three, I knew that he was talking about soccer leaving. And um, when I told my parents about this, they said that you're definitely misinterpreting it and that you shouldn't give up soccer. We loved watching him. <laughs> but um, I kind of knew that it was time to go. But they said finished up the season because I'd already made the high school team. Um, but that's and to seek confirmation because that's important instead of just release, receiving one word and then quitting something important to you. Um, but that's not quite what happened. On September 24th, um, I was playing against Bexley with my high school team, and a player tackled me and hit my head really hard, and I got a concussion. Um, and so this was my fourth concussion in a year and a half. And so the doctors um, said I definitely couldn't step on the field until March, and that um, they strongly suggested that I never play again. And it was really hard because that soccer was like a large part of my life. And I cried the most I had in like years when they said that. Um, but there was this like sense of peace because I knew that it was God's plan for me because of the vision that Tim had given me. And so although it was really hard, there was just a really nice sense of peace and like closure to it. Um, and God really used the thing that he gave, the vision that he gave Tim to assure me and my parents that it was the right thing to do. I think we had a harder time letting go of it than he did. So it's really cool. It's, it's a blast to see how they're learning to pray for one another. And, and uh, Jeremy and, and Tim together also have another story about a word of wisdom and I think also a word of knowledge coming together to minister in a situation. Yeah, one of the uh, things that I love the most about my job is an opportunity to raise up leaders. And um, every year before middle school camp, I'll bring in a group of high school students, group of high school students who are going to come with me to middle school camp to help lead and mentor the middle schoolers. And in preparation for that, we take them through a course, uh, what we call CIT training, counselors in training training. It's redundant, but it works. Um, and... Uh, the, this particular class, uh, I had invited Tim to come with because to come to because he was uh, going to be coming with us to the middle school camp this year, which was about living in the kingdom, understanding what it means to um, to have Jesus not only be a part of our lives but also do the things that He does. And um, and so we were training the high school students to be doing the things that Jesus does. And again, we were training in the five step prayer model. And we had the students around the leaders to pray. Tim was in my group. And uh, I was excited about that because um, I have seen him work in the prophetic, uh, uh, watching the Holy Spirit speak to him and how bold he is to share those things. And so I was, I was excited to have him praying for me. And we were sitting around. There's probably about five of us. And um, we were praying. And Tim never spoke. And I was like, come on. You know, come on, Tim. Uh, this is your job. I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, after after we had done praying, we were done praying. I went up to him. I, I told him that I said I was really excited to have you pray for me because I was I wanted to hear what the Lord uh, might have to say to me in that moment. And Tim actually shared something with me at that point, which I'm gonna let him share.
So what Tim didn't know or anyone else knew at that point is that Alexis and I have been trying to get pregnant. And um, we knew that I was going to Costa Rica. We were, excuse me, um, we were concerned about uh, Zika. And so we wanted, our timing was really important. And we had just found out uh, days before that we were actually pregnant, uh, that we are pregnant. And um, yeah. Um, and, and what was really cool about it is that part of the test or part of the vision that, that Tim shared was, um, that everything's going to be fine, that they're going to be safe. I can't remember exactly how you said it. Uh, but there was this, uh, deep piece of, uh, well, peace that came over me, uh, to hear that not only are kids safe, but the, the kids that were, that were, um, growing. I don't know how to say that. This isn't being recorded, is it? Um, <laughs> I'll change what I'm saying in the 11 o'clock service so that can be recorded. But um, that that our our newborn would be safe as well. And uh, and so I came home to Alexis and and we were just we were talking about. It. I said you've you've got to hear what um, Tim uh, or what the Holy Spirit told Tim. And as I shared that with Alexis, she just broke down. Uh, because we've been very concerned about the health of our baby throughout this time when I returned from Costa Rica uh, until our baby's born on February 7th. Haha. <laughs> um, it's a girl, by the way, Lorelai. Uh, so anyway, it was it was a blessing to know uh, that the Lord um, was concerned with us, uh, that He knew exactly the the place that we were we were feeling the most anxiety, and that He would speak to us in the midst of that. It was that assurance of peace uh, that was overwhelming. And I was thankful for Tim that he was not only willing to listen to God, but also that he was willing to share that with me because uh, it's an important part of the uh, the word of knowledge that it's shared with the other person so that they can experience the voice of God in their life. So, yeah. Thank you, guys. Good job, guys. And again, God showed up in the Costa Rica mission trip with some other stories like that. You're going to want to, if you want to come hear him uh, next Sunday in the evening. I'm so excited about what God is doing among the youth at Quest. Uh, now, uh, there's a couple things we haven't talked about that we're going to wrap up quickly here with this uh, with this message today. We haven't talked about how you might know you are receiving something from God. And we haven't talked about how you go about communicating it to someone else when you think you do hear something. So how might you know you're receiving something from God? Well, a lot of times it starts by just simply, as you're praying for somebody, you just begin to pray for something, somebody, and you begin to ask the Holy Spirit to come and do His work, and you start making quiet, worshipful statements about inviting the Holy Spirit to come. You may even pray explicitly, God, would you like to give me a spiritual gift in this moment right now? And just ask that question, and then be patient and wait. When you do start to get something, especially at first, I can guarantee you're probably going to wrestle in your head and going, is this me or is this God? And that battle is going to be really pronounced. And let me encourage you just to let that tension go. God already knows you're struggling with it. God already knows that you only see in part and he's got grace for that. So just let the tension piece of that go. I mean, we even see that in Ananias' case with Paul. He heard God calling him to him in a vision, which is, you've heard it now from these guys and Ananias too, that's one way sometimes God can speak to us. And he's, even Ananias still wrestled with it. So the Bible doesn't specify 
in, in great detail what one actually sees when you receive a vision or something of that nature. We know that visions are something that happen when you're awake, and the Bible talks about it. We know that dreams are something that happen when you're asleep, and the Bible talks about God speaking through both of those. We don't know whether visions are always going to be like a picture or like a movie that we see. We don't know if it's going to be this vague sense of internally seeing something where our eyes open or closed. It doesn't give us a lot of detail on that. We don't know whether the voice that Ananias heard or if you hear a voice, we don't know whether it's audible or in his, in his head or just some sort of sense. The fact of the matter is it could be any of those things that God's using to talk to you. I mean, the Bible speaks about visions, about dreams, about pictures, about impressions that we see and hear or think or feel as ways God speaks to us. And if you get something like that while you're praying for someone or asking God about someone, maybe it is God speaking to you. And, or, or you may even just get something that we'd call a gut feel, right? about something. Jeremy was reminding me, we were listening to a lecture a couple years ago on academic brain research that shows that gut-level thinking and intuition doesn't actually activate the brain like other thinking does. In fact, the scientists were going, it almost seems like it bypasses the brain in some way, as, as, as hard as that is to explain. And I don't think it's an accident that Jesus uses the metaphor of the, the spirit flowing out of our bellies like rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit Spirit can, can speak through your intuition, your gut-level intuition. Sometimes maybe it's a sense of a word coming or that doesn't seem to connect to that moment. It just seems like kind of out of the blue or, or something in you that you're thinking about in that moment or, or a scripture pops in your mind. Uh, sit with it and see if it might be from God. And, and especially if it's something that's encouraging or innocuous, why not just test it by sharing it? I mean, we've already established the fact that we're not going to be perfect in this and God's got grace for it. So just share it and test it that way. So that leads us to how do we share it when we think we might be getting something from God. And the first step is always to get permission. Always get permission. Never force anything on anybody. Get permission to pray for them. Get permission to share something. And you don't power up in your energy in your tone, by having to authoritatively say, this is from God, we don't use thus saith the Lord, or we don't have to say God is saying this, or God told me this. Instead of dialing up, dial down. Be natural. Be relational. Talk about it like you would with a friend over a cup of coffee, in a natural way. We start sharing things like this humbly, knowing we only see in part. We communicate things gently and kindly because that's the intent of the gifts. And we trust that if the word is from God, the Holy Spirit will confirm it. In fact, there's many of times that we as pastors feel like God is giving us a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a word of prophecy for the congregation, but we don't actually tell you that's what we're doing. We just build it into the messaging and we say it. I mean, there are times that we do say we feel like God's giving us a prophetic word, but a lot of times we just build it into the messaging because if it really is from God, His Spirit will grab the heart and make it happen. You don't have to add His trump card authority to what you're saying. You just get to share it. You might start by sharing it with something, by saying something like, you know, I don't know for sure, but I think God may be giving me something. And just share something in that tone. And then after, after you get done sharing with them what you think God might be saying, ask a question. Does that mean anything to you? Does that, does that make any sense? And if it doesn't, 
Don't automatically assume it isn't right or that it is right. Don't assume either one. Just I just encourage continued prayer and maybe even more prayer in that moment to see what the Holy Spirit might want to do. And as you pray, maybe something more will come and all of a sudden it will make sense. Or I've seen it where people go home and maybe a couple days later or a couple weeks later, all of a sudden something happens and now all of a sudden it makes sense and sometimes you might just be wrong. I mean, that's the reality. But here's the deal. If you share it lovingly, if you don't power up, if you don't claim some, some sort of absolute divine authority when you share it, if you give the per- person permission to test it when you, uh, when you do, even if you're wrong, it generally comes out the other end being a positive, caring experience. Wendy, this last few years are talking about this, reminded me of an experience she had in Oregon when she felt like God might be giving her a mixed word of knowledge and word of wisdom for the parents of one of our kids' classmates. Now, they, weren't, they were not Christians. They were somewhat open to talking about faith. And Wendy felt she had been given an encouraging picture about an upcoming business opportunity for them that God wanted to work in their lives to bring blessing to their lives. And a lot of times, especially in circumstances like that, when Wendy gets something like that, she chooses to, to internally pray about it for a while privately and use it as a prayer signal, especially when she doesn't know someone real well. But praying privately in this instance didn't resolve the sense of what God wanted to do for her. So it seemed like God wanted her to share it with them. So she, she wrote it out, and she explained when she handed it to him, if you have any questions, let, let me know. And if this just seems like out of left field and doesn't make sense with anything you're already feeling or doesn't resonate at all, would you just, would you let me know that it doesn't seem to fit and connect? And she then communicated saying, you know, the main message that I, I hope you'll hear from this is that, I, that God has put you on my heart and I'm praying good things for you. Now, in the end, what she shared with them didn't actually come true the way she shared it. And it may have been that Wendy wasn't accurate in what she heard. It may have been that the husband had multiple affairs over the next couple of years, and that was kind of destroyed the marriage, and the marriage was originally part of the business and, and the way Wendy heard that word from him, to, to her. But, but in the end, the business that she actually talked to them about did go, and it gave the wife something to land on after the husband left her. And the result of that encounter, even though it didn't happen exactly the way Wendy said, was that woman started to come to Wendy over and over again to talk about spiritual things, to talk about marriage and parenting because she felt so cared about and loved in that moment. It opened up the relationship. And the point is this. We are given these gifts as graces, as expressions of God's love. We know we're not always going to be right. But if we're careful to share them, in a loving, humble way that doesn't come across as high and mighty, God still works through us, even when we're only partially right or when we're wrong altogether. But even then, I have to say, it's uncomfortable to learn to do this stuff, isn't it? Especially when we're learning to operate this way. And sometimes it's even made more uncomfortable. I remember a time a couple years ago, I was at a conference in another church, and a leader was teaching on this, and On the spot, he asked the congregation to get up. He said, stand up, turn to your neighbor, stare them in the eye until you get a word from God. In my mind, I went, crud. I'm here all alone. I don't know the young woman next to me, and I don't want to stare in anyone's eyes but my wife's. 
This is like the most extremely uncomfortable moment you could ever ask me to be in. And then it got worse. The woman next to me was enthusiastic about the exercise, darn it. And so I didn't want to squelch her enthusiasm either. So I went along with it, all the while screaming in my thoughts, God, hurry up and give me something. Make this quick, please, so I can end this. Please, hurry. And God did. And God did. And the woman was in tears, so touched that God would speak to something specifically in her life to let her know that He knows and He's with her. And He's got wisdom and direction for her. It was an amazing spiritual experience for her. For me, I was just praying it would get over. There was nothing amazing spiritual about it for me at all in the moment of the feeling and the experience. But here's the point. Here's the point. God often asks us to do uncomfortable things. And that's where He meets us. Especially when we're learning new things about interacting with the power of His Holy Spirit and ministering to other people. He puts us oftentimes in uncomfortable places so that we'll tune our attention to Him and we'll be willing to take a risk. Remember risk and faith, those two words go together. He wants to grow our faith. So as we close, would everyone stand please with me? And would you turn to your neighbor and stare deeply in their eyes? (laughs) No, I'm not going to do that. But I want you to participate in the next few moments with me in worship and with with the worship team. In whatever way you want, you can sing, you can be silent in prayer, you can just be looking around and asking God questions, you can be praying out loud as the music plays. And while you're doing that, I do want you to risk something. I want you to ask God if He would give you a spiritual gift for someone in this room. Maybe it's someone next to you or behind you or in front of you or a few rows away, right? And then as we close in a minute and we invite people for prayer, if you feel like God gives you something, then as we dismiss, I want you to go to that person. I want you to ask their permission to pray for them and share it with them. And I want you to do it in a team. Don't do it by yourself. Grab a friend. Grab, grab somebody next to you and just say, hey, let's, let's pray for this person. And then just practice. And let's see if God shows up. Some of our words will be right on. Some of them will be partially, and some of us will be in left field, and that's okay. But let's use this time right now to invite the Holy Spirit to come and make this a lab for us to grow in experiencing the release of His gifts through us to other people. Lord, we welcome Your Holy Spirit, and we ask that You would teach us more about this, that you would lead us to experience more and that you would lead us to become more confident in hearing your voice and being able to speak the kind of encouragement that these gifts represent to friends and family, colleagues and strangers around us, that Lord, there would just be this element of who we are that would be deeply spiritual because your presence is with us and it's far more than just our words and our thoughts but you're the one who can even reveal the hidden things, even when we don't know we're speaking to something hidden. But you can give us words that speak in a way that people know you're real. So, Lord, come and distribute your gifts today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest's podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org.